0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I hope you enjoyed our opening music. I just love that song. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. And if you're interested in downloading it, you can do so on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, we are about sound information, not just sound bites. Our goal is really to raise all voices, big and small, around the world, from those diagnosed, those that care for them and serve them, advocates, researchers, and more. We have authors and movie directors and singers and songwriters and even children. And today our show is live, so you can call in if you'd like with any questions at 323-870-4602, 323-870-4602. And our topic today is A to Z tips on Uh, giving care to somebody um, who is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Um, Now, before I introduce our guest today, I always like to do a few shout-outs. So first, I want to shout-out to Dementia Map. It is growing, and it is so fun to see. For those of you that aren't familiar with Dementia Map, it is a global resource directory that serves those with dementia, their care partners, as well as businesses, organizations, and even our our state and national um, groups as well. And uh, there are 150 different categories there you can search. We are still growing. We just uh, are kind of a a pimple on the blimp right now as far as um, all the resources that are out there. But it's really fun to see people go, Oh my gosh! I had no idea this existed. Oh my gosh! This is really going to help me. So check it out. And if you have a service, product, or um, tool that you would like listed in there, it's very easy to do. Just go to dementiamap.com, or you can always reach out to me too at radio at alzheimer speaks. Um, there you will find things like the dementia or the um, memory cafe directory, um, Coral Health, who is allowing people to download. Uh, still two of their apps, Music First and Choral Faith, uh, till the end of the year. Also the Footbar Walker. Um, you will find a calendar of events. And I'm just going to mention one that I'm doing coming up August 10th that is being sponsored by Artist Senior Living uh, entitled Conscious, Compassionate Care for the Care Partners. And there we're going to kind of explore that underbelly of giving care in a safe and fun environment and we're going to endear to talk about things that people don't typically like to address um, but it's so so helpful if we're going to leave uh, live a healthy life. I also want to mention an international conference it's called Together for Dementia and that is going to be um, held on November 2nd and it's going to be online as well as artist programs so anybody can attend uh, the Artist One is going to be a free program, and you can find more information about both of these on com on our homepage. We are going to hear from uh, the footbar walker, and then I'm going to introduce you to my co-host and our guest today.
1: Introducing the life-changing footbar walker.
0: I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky and I'm 91 years old. The footbar walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000.
1: TheFootBarWalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend The Footbar Walker?
0: Do I ever. I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for The Footbar Walker. Well, thanks, everybody. It's time to uh, hear who we have on the show. Uh, but first, I'm going to introduce Kate Lau. Uh, Kate is going to be my co-host today. Um, so welcome, Kate. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. Um, how are you, Laurie?
0: I'm doing great. We have missed you. Kate has been dealing with lots of health issues uh, that always hits everybody at one time or another. So we're thrilled to have you back. Kate, can you just give people a little background on what type of dementia you're living with and for how long?
1: Yes. Um, I live with a FTD. Uh, it is short for behavior variant frontotemporal dementia. Um, yes, so my memory is literally intact. Other than um, when the, there's things that I want and I can express what it is because there's so many things there, and uh, I'm I'm um, I'm pretty uh, focused when I'm speaking one-on-one on one or two people, but more than that, then I'm I'm thrown. It just does not make sense, or I get anxious, even if there's one person that's, that's uh, not understanding me, then I get very anxious, and it got worse, and I, I just totally am thrown, and I don't know what I'm saying, uh, then it, it just gets worse. Um, those are the things that I mainly um, struggle with. Um, I struggle with uh, writing writing um, currently, and uh, I have a lot of uh, fear to write because I just feel I cannot write like I used to, so I'm actually competing with my old self. Um, Okay, so um, my experience with dementia is not only as a patient. Mm -hmm. I was a caregiver. I was a caregiver at a retirement village for late-stage dementia at skilled nursing, and occasionally, I would be um, at the Alzheimer's unit. I wish I would say dementia unit because not everybody has Alzheimer's. Um, but that's our job to to teach them about the different kinds of dementia. I have Wonderful. four children and seven grandchildren. Um, I'm happy. Oh. I've got a lot of. <laughs> I live with it, but I'm happy. And I read quite a lot. And um, there's not much to say about me. <laughs> okay. Well, thank
0: you for introducing yourself. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest here today, who is Mark Nutting. And Mark is a retired IT professional who gained dementia caregiving experience by caring for his mother, who lived with uh, Alzheimer's disease for like 13 years. Uh, he is the author of a book called <clears throat> The Alzheimer's a Z caregiver's handbook and he always speaks and writes you know pretty much from that caregiver perspective he um, strives to really stay current and expand his knowledge on alzheimer's disease dementia and caregiver um, support through attending classes lectures and webinars so welcome mark how are you doing today i'm doing well thanks so much for having me laurie well, I'm excited to have you have you with us, and I, I want to thank you for sending me your, your book as well. It's always nice to be able to have that in hand when we're doing these interviews. If you wouldn't mind first telling um, people of your a little bit more expansive um, experience uh, with dementia within your own family, was it just your mom or was it others, and did you have personal friends that were touched by this as well?
2: It was just my mom within my family. And so when it entered my family through my mom, I was totally oblivious to it. It was a brand-new issue for me, a brand-new situation. And I was able, fortunately, to have her diagnosed very, very early. I saw some signs early on that were were more than the, the normal aging forgetfulness. Uh, And I had her diagnosed very early on. And then it was, you know, you just kind of hit the ground running and you play by play, you figure things out as you go along. Uh, And so I had a 13-year run with her. She was able to stay in her own home, uh, which was her choice and her wish to stay in her own home as long as she could. She lived independently. Uh, And so I was able to keep her in her own home through adding different accommodations and putting different processes in place as she was able to do less and less in order to uh, bridge that gap. And so she stayed in her own home for about four years after the initial diagnosis. Uh, and then for safety purposes from wandering out at night, she had to be transitioned to uh, a skilled nursing facility. Uh, I was also, after the initial emergency um, entry into a a skilled nursing facility, which which was not one that was uh, specific to Alzheimer's or dementia, uh, but kept her safe. Uh, Within a month, I was able to scope out all the area dementia units, choose the one I wanted, and I was so, so fortunate uh, that they had an opening quickly because those openings are very cyclical and you can wait months. But within a month, I got her into the dementia unit of my choice. And So she went on another nine years there for a full 13-year stretch uh, we had with uh, the Alzheimer's disease. Uh, And my mother was very healthy otherwise, so unlike many people who will pass away from something else, something completely unrelated to Alzheimer's during the course of the Alzheimer's disease, uh, my mother did not, so she actually went the full scope of the disease and ended up you know, dying in the end from uh, symptoms uh, from Alzheimer's disease, from the results of the Alzheimer's. Uh, and And so it was a full run with the disease uh, from caring from her in her home. I was never a live-in caregiver, um, but and and of course, that presented problems in and of itself, being out of the house, but going continually for visits. To the house to get things in place, to do things with her, and then to handle things from work remotely while I was out during the days, uh, and that presented its own set of problems and issues.
0: Sure, and sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh no. I, I finish. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay. No. So, um, so once once
2: she could no longer be in her home, then the, the caregiving uh, transition to overseeing the care in the nursing home and i think what a lot of people don't understand uh, even some caregivers uh... once your loved one goes into uh, a facility if that's the, the course of action that 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 takes for for your family uh... your caregiving doesn't necessarily end or certainly doesn't have to end in fact if anything mine stepped up more uh... because now i had to maintain her i felt i had to maintain her care and her care plan within the facility. I had to make sure she was getting the best care possible within that facility. So it was working hand-in-hand with management, with the program director, with the social worker on a continual daily basis to to make sure all her needs were being met, uh, that they were happy with things, that I was happy with things, and more importantly that my mom was content and comfortable at all times. Uh, And so the, the caregiving didn't end it just... Took a different feel and, and a different uh, vision in order to carry it out, uh, and, and even still, even while she was in the nursing home, on a personal level, there were still accommodations and things that I was putting in place myself, even above and beyond what they were putting into place. So, so the caregiving doesn't always end, uh, or doesn't have to end once your loved one is in a facility, and in my case, it did not. Uh, again, if anything, it stepped up, uh, and so we went nine years in the nursing facility. Uh, and, uh, again, as bad as and horrific as the disease is, you know, there were some good positive aspects, and one of them was that one of my wishes was that she wouldn't be alone when she passed away. And I was able to be with her. Uh, you know, you can't always do that. Uh, even if you're with them and you you could just step out to use a restroom, uh, you just never know. But I was with her at the moment she passed away. She was holding my hand, so she knew she wasn't alone and she knew I was there. And and so that was uh, probably the best ending to, to that run that we could have had. So
0: wonderful. Well, and I think that was an excellent point that you know caregiving doesn't end just because someone's placed, or it sure as heck doesn't have to. So I'm sure people in um, communities see that where someone does just kind of walk away and drop them off. And part of that is the stigma that they don't know who I am anymore. So, so what's the point? I'm just going to pull um, Kate in quick because I know she mentioned that she had uh, worked in a community. Um, Kate, what was your experience? Did you see families walk away or, or were families pretty involved when they had to place a loved one?
1: Um, You know, it's um, the reality doesn't hit at once when you see them leave. You know, because I think the um, the person with Alzheimer's will be like disoriented. She's all you know, look around, and and actually very clueless, and you can't read her because she's new. But um, my feeling as a caregiver. My heart just breaks because you don't, know, you, you don't, you you think that your son or your daughter is just going out and will be right back, and you don't know where you're at, and that's why so many of them, as they progress in the disease, they always say that I want to go home, I want to go home, I want to go home, but this is their home, and you can't explain that this is their home. Now, a good caregiver would would say, well, you know. Um, your son or your daughter will come over. This is your home, but they will visit often. I think that is, that is, uh, that is sufficient. Instead of saying that, okay, turn the wheelchair around, push a patient, I've seen this, push the patient down another wing of the, of the care facility and say, okay, this is your way home. Now, that really, really kills me because I don't know what's in their head. Do they expect to see their things when you do that? Um, it's it's just very very difficult, um, and the worst part for me is when I leave after my shift, about seven o'clock. Some of the, the patients know my, a lot of them. I was as skilled. They were too too ill. They were at the end stage, but those that were just transferred, they knew my name, and they would say, "Kate, Kate, Kate," and so some of the. Uh, Nurses or nurses' aides would just kind of shield me from, from them seeing me and say that she needs to go home sometime. Like, she needs to eat. Do you understand? I said, don't, don't say that, you know. I'll just give him a hug and say, hey, I'll be back tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. mine. That's my take of it. So, Mark, uh, how do you feel? When, when The first time you drop off your mom, as a caregiver, uh, how, do you, how do you feel?
2: Well, when I first brought my mom uh, to the dementia unit, uh, Mm -hmm. again, she had been in the first skilled nursing facility on an emergency basis, so there was really no preparation time for that. Uh, Uh But in in transferring her to the dementia unit of my choice, I had gone there ahead of time. I had taken uh, her most prized things from her walls and her living room and her home, and I had adorned the walls in, in her bedroom at the dementia unit with those things so when she would arrive she would have all her personal things there her wall hangings from her home were were in her room and and many of those she was quite artistic many of those were things she had drawn or painted herself so it was all very familiar to her so i i did my best to prepare the the room for her so when she got to the environment instead of being something New and different, it was going to be something different but familiar, uh, unlike the first nursing home she went in, which was just all and in, uh, institutional looking and 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 not very yeah. homey so so that's how I prepared it for her. and i also uh, her sister was my aunt Ellie was very close with us and in helping and and in um, communicating with my mom. And so I asked her to to be at the nursing home as well. So when when my mom arrived, we were both standing there waiting for her. So we were there to welcome her in rather than just arriving in a nursing home with total strangers. And my aunt stayed a few minutes, and then I stayed several hours, uh, as I always did. And I stayed through lunch for the first day. Uh, And and so she was quite at ease and quite happy. Uh, When we walked into her room, Uh, She didn't want to actually change facilities, so I had a bit of a bump there, uh, which often you do. Uh, And that's because as much as the first facility was absolutely not uh, appropriate for someone with dementia, the staff was wonderful to her, and she had become accustomed to it, so she didn't want to leave. Uh, And so when we got to the new facility and she saw her room, uh, the first thing she said was, here's all my stuff. I wondered where it was and 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 it just gave my heart such such joy to to know that you know all that effort I had put in had worked, it had given her some peace. And then when we went to the dining room, they had a small dining room for the more highly functional uh, residents at that point, uh, sure. and, and so that they could communicate better with each other over meals. And they had her her place all set with a nice pretty name tag with her name on it uh, at her place. And so when we walked in and the unit director, you know, introduced us to the room and showed her her place, Uh, she sat down and she looked at me and she said, "Um, I know you said this place was going to be nicer, but I didn't know it was going to be this beautiful. And and I knew at that moment she was happy to have had the change and she had forgiven me for moving her because then I said there was a little bit of a bump in the road there. She, She was not happy with me at first, so... So uh, but but that was that was my approach, and my way of handling that was to to make it as familiar and homey to her as possible uh when she arrived
1: wonderful. how that- wonderful are you i mean i mean I've never seen that um ever happen uh mostly they would take the resident uh you know and the family would show the resident the room, and of course you know mo- most of mine were in skilled or in already in when I joined the was already staying there. But um, so often families only come on like Sundays because they're working, not after work, except for two sisters who always come after work and decorate their mother's room for every occasion. Valentine's, Christmas, and so on and so forth. But, you know, they did not expect their mom to stay there for so many years. And they were telling me that, oh, you know, we could have bought her a ranch house with a ramp and a beautiful for what we're paying. <laughs> but I think what you did was so wonderful, so welcoming for her. And I think the reason why she, she was not wanting to leave the first place was she was just making friends and she didn't want to leave her friends. And now this place is just so you know, like bright and oh wow, you know, she quickly forgot the old place. Well, she she did. Pardon me? She
2: she did, yes. She she quickly let go of the the old place uh, and and was very, very happy and content to be in the new place.
1: Yes,
0: that's wonderful. I think it's, uh, you know, I think there's a problem though, because sometimes in some communities, not all, and I think it's gotten better over the years, but A lot of people, you weren't allowed to bring stuff in. They had their furniture, and, you know, everything was was part of the community where now people can bring more items in. They can hang more things on the wall. But, you know, um, years ago, that wasn't always the case with things, or you had just kind of a little memory box by the door, and that was about it. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's good um, to have that comfort and that peace um, to be able to have your own things and stuff around you. Mark, I really uh, I want to talk about your, your book, um, the, you know, A to Z Alzheimer's, um, you know, handbook. What made you decide to write the book? And also, I always like to ask, why did you pick the title? Because I always find that fascinating as well.
2: Well, ironically, I mean, I never had a goal in life to write a book of any kind, certainly not on Alzheimer's disease. Uh, it just wasn't something that was ever on my bucket list. But, of course, the years of experience with my mom and during our, our time at the nursing home facility and the dementia unit, I, as I said, we were there for nine years. And so other family members of other residents would often approach me because they knew I'd been in that role for so long. And they would often approach me with issues they were having, either with their loved one or with the facility. And they would ask my advice and my opinions and how I would handle that. And, and very oftentimes I had handled that myself with my mom because, again, we'd been there so long. And so – After a while, I thought, you know, I could probably help a lot more people if I could take these same anecdotes and advice that I'm sharing with these people in person and put it in a little handbook. And so that was the the initial spark of an idea of wanting to possibly write one, was to help other people in the same way. Uh, The the title came from, I decided when I was going to write it that, uh, and I wrote it, after the fact, I, I waited until after my mom passed away to finish it. I had actually started it uh, during the time she was in the facility, but I really got about 12 topic ideas down on a little outline, uh, and that became the basis of the topic guide eventually. And then I left it. I was just – it wasn't the time. Uh, a couple of years after she passed away, I picked it back up. And so having gone the full scope of the disease from pre-diagnosis to actually – dying from the effects of Alzheimer's and then even I address even grieving afterwards Uh, it kind of gave me the A to Z uh, theme of from the beginning to the end from pre-diagnosis to to death and and beyond Um, and so that kind of gave me the theme for the book.
0: Okay and and as far as target audience is it just for people dealing with Alzheimer's or do you think there's overlap to to other dementias and just other uh, you know other issues of caring for, for people in having different needs?
2: Uh, I, I think, you know, because dementia is a, a more generic term I think it can benefit people with different dementias who are having some of these same issues and solutions. Although, again, I don't have a medical background, so this book isn't written from a clinical standpoint, but from a personal experience of a caregiver. Uh, So my personal experience that I'm writing from was with my mom who had dementia from Alzheimer's disease. So it may be a little more aimed at that. The other thing it may be more aimed at, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there are different types of caregivers. Now, I was never a 24-by-7 live-in caregiver. I was always an out-of-the-house caregiver when she lived at home. Uh, And so I was always back and forth with visits uh, to put things in place and to make sure she was okay and to do things with her. Uh, And then I was often handling things over the phone with utility companies or doctors or whomever from work 50 miles away. And so while many of the issues and solutions I discuss and talk about in the book will cross over from one type of caregiver to another because you're still dealing with the same dementia and and Alzheimer's disease, but probably it would be a little more pointed – towards somebody who was doing that out-of-the-house caregiving because some of the issues I had were unique to being that type of caregiver, and a live-in caregiver would have some issues that were unique to them that, that I didn't address because I didn't live those.
0: Sure. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the different types of caregivers because, uh, you know, in caregiver, care partner, carer, care companion, those are all interchangeable words out there. Um, but there is the the 24-7, the person who actually lives with them. Um, there are people who, you know, uh visit on a daily basis. There are some that just have a set routine. Um, some families kind of have a tag team where, you know, today's your day, Wednesday's my day, <laughs> whatever. And then you have others that break it down by duty. So this person's in charge of the finances. This person is in charge of of um, Medical, another one does errands, another one does meals. another one is just specific to medication, not even um, related to all the medical appointments that 's just their deal. others are self care and entertainment so there's a lot of different ways you can you can break this down. Um, to accomplish the goal, if you're a, a single person um, handling this, of course, that's going to be different. But if you have family and friends you can tap into uh, or the finances to hire out, there's lots of different ways. So I, I do appreciate you um, bringing that up. What is your hope for the book? Is there a primary theme that you you hope the readers walk away with?
2: I mean, my hope for the book originally and still is just that it can possibly help people that something good can come out of, you know, this horrific experience of of watching my mother struggle with this disease for 13 years before she passed away from it. Uh, so obviously the the goal of the book was to help people. But I think as far as a theme, uh, it would probably be the same as my basic philosophy. Uh, I hope that theme is carried through the book, which would be uh, when caring for someone with dementia, my basic philosophy was always to strive to have the person living with dementia, which was my mom, attain the best quality of life they're capable of achieving at every point along the progression of the disease. And, of course, that quality of life ability is going to change as the disease progresses. Uh, But it means shifting our focus back and forth. uh, At one point, we're going to have to have our focus on the things they can no longer do for themselves, and we need to do that uh, so we can put accommodations in place to bridge that gap, uh, particularly when they're living independently still. Uh, they, they they have a, a basic set of needs. Uh, the medical profession would call them ADLs or activities of daily living. But there are certain things they have to do to be safe and to, to to survive on a day-to-day basis. And as they have shortcomings to do that, we have to focus on what they can't do for themselves and what we can put into place to bridge that gap. But what some people don't uh, realize once we do that, we then need to shift our focus on the things that they can still do. And and this continues even, and I continue this right through till the very end with my mom. So even as the dementia has increased greatly, I had to also shift back and forth so I could then focus on what she could still do and, more importantly, what she could still enjoy doing because that's what's going to add to the quality of life. And, and of course, this isn't something you do once, assess things and, and put things in place. It's an ongoing, continual process of assessing what they can't do for themselves so you can bridge that gap and then what they can still do and enjoy so that they can enjoy it. And when it's something that they're doing for pure enjoyment, that's all uh, well and good. Uh, it adds to their quality of life. But also when it's something that they're still doing for themselves that they're allowed, that they're able to do, but maybe takes a little longer or a little bit of accommodation, they're also going to get that sense of self-worth as, when they're allowed to do things as much as they can for themselves when they're allowed to continue to do that. Uh, I I like to think of the two. I I like to think of the focus on things they can't do for themselves any longer as addressing their safety and physical well-being and then focusing on what they can still do and enjoy as addressing their emotional well-being and their overall happiness
0: well and you have a, a quote in the book from mother Teresa. i think that hits that point and it says it's not how much you do but how much love you put into the doing and you know i i found myself in that trap where i thought i was supposed to do 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 and i thought i was supposed to keep her busy all the time and and then i realized i was kind of losing my relationship with her and it really wasn't about her comfort level and and um and so forth. I, I thought I was because I was doing all these things, but then I slowed down, and it was like, oh, holy cow, this needs to be really, really different um, than than what I thought. And I, I found that I was I was getting satisfaction by checking things off my list because I felt so bad that there wasn't a cure. Now, in your book, you know, I just want to break down. You have different topics like early warning signs and um, early um, the early years with the disease. Um, when they can't live at home any longer, interacting with your loved one as the disease progresses, um, eating and food changes, um, medical and legal issues, um, even interacting with a community, which I think is really important. And then, you know, how the end comes. What do you do in those last days and in that grieving process? So um, you really do kind of take people from beginning to end. And this is a this is a, a you know it's a small book. Um, you've really compacted things well in here. You know it's under a hundred pages, and um, and the way you've um, written it too, I think it's easy for people to reference. You know what area they need to dive into, as far as as breaking things down. So I think that is that is great. Um, I'm wondering you know besides the book, what other things are you involved in, or am I being presumptuous to think that you are involved in other things besides just the book uh,
2: no indeed i am uh my my effort uh after my mom passed and and as I was healing from the grieving process. And I just started to feel that tug and that pull that it was time to give back. I mean I, I did give back continually by helping other family members and, and other residents, uh, while my mom was alive. But but once she was gone I I felt like somehow this wasn't done, which I thought it would be, you know, while she was living. Once it was over it would be over. And I thought this just isn't done, it just didn't feel right. I thought some more good had to come out of this and I and I felt I had something to give back after the thirteen years of experience. Um and so I, I wanted to do that, and the book was just one way to help other caregivers, but not the only way. So in addition, I also work with caregiver support groups, um, and I also present education and information sessions about Alzheimer's and dementia to the public, uh, both to give a general education but also to help educate people who are living uh, in the community uh, because in our communities we have people living with early dementia that are still functioning in the communities, and we encounter them all the time. Uh, and so it helps to raise people's awareness to, to how to interact with these people in our community as well. So those are some of the things I've been doing uh, to help caregivers and just the cause in general uh, because of the pandemic, I started a lot of this work in the past year uh, virtually online, m- much of it through Zoom. Uh, and, and just now, as our country is starting to open up more and more, I'm setting the stage to start doing some of these things with in-person groups locally, which, which I'm very excited and looking forward to, to you know, working with people in person again. Uh, although I think the pandemic, you know, will leave us with some benefits, and one of them. Uh, will be that I think some of these uh, virtual caregiver support groups uh, will continue on because there's still going to be a need for for people who that works better for than an in-person group.
0: I think a lot of people have noticed that uh, they're they're having a bigger reach, you know, a broader reach um, from people who weren't able to leave the house. But then there are a lot of people that don't care for the online. And so now, you know, through the, the pandemic, then they weren't being served. And so it, it is a hard balance. But I do think we need a hybrid out there. And I just want to pull Kate in to kind of get her thoughts on that. Um, Kate, what are your thoughts in, in what you're seeing with people living with dementia, the, the in-person versus online or combination of both? What do you think will
1: meet the needs the best? You mean to reach out to them? Is that correct? Yep, correct. Um, Some of my uh, dementia residents, um, they lost their sight in skilled nursing, and that might not have anything to do with the dementia. But I don't think audio is is a bad is a bad thing. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't know what they understand or what they're not. Uh, When you say Looking what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like watching him on t v or one on one coming to visit or I, I don't quite understand oh
0: in terms of what do you th- what do you think people prefer who are living with dementia in person or online um mm-hmm. and same with same In-person. with care partners as well
1: yeah uh in person definitely, because uh they need not only the one on one they lack touch, they lack being touched, being hugged. Being, you know, uh, able to interact with someone—that there's still there's still, still a person in there, mm-hmm. and, um, who just wants another person. You know what I mean? It's just like staying alone, or staying alone with a with a group of people, but then it is it is not personal enough. You know, mm-hmm. they're just people. You know, and, and no dementia patients I've seen. Well, maybe a few would hug each other once in a while, and uh, because they, had, because they just feel like it. You know, you'd not, you never know what they want to do. But definitely, um, um, a visit from family and friends would be great, 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 great. Mm-hmm. great. And uh, and uh, before I forget, Mark, um, I've been looking for a good dementia book and 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 it's been a long time since i read a read a new dementia dementia book um i i read quite a lot i think it's an escape thing lately uh on my Kindle however your book is a to z Alzheimer's is that correct that's correct okay and you have a workbook that comes with it
2: i do not know it it, it is one book uh and it's a very small concise book um one of my issues when I was starting caregiving was I found books were very large, hundreds of pages, and I just didn't have oh, the, yes. the time or the, the, the head to go through hundreds of pages looking for something. So as Laurie stated, I did write the book. Uh, it, it was uh, deliberately, uh, by the design, uh, a small, concise book. Uh, and, and it would seem an opposing goal, but it was also to cover the full scope of pre-diagnosis to uh, death and grieving. And so because those seem contradicting issues, obviously the compromise was to, to write about the full scope uh, and to write something small, something short and sweet about each one. And I did arrange a topic guide that while somebody could make a short, easy read of the book cover to cover, that also either without having read it first or having read it through once could then refer to that topic guide to hone in on something specific that they're having a problem with right now and and they want to look at that issue. Uh, So I I tried to kind of cover all those bases. So it is, is, um, I I feel, a a good book for somebody to get a good overview of all the different parts and issues that they may encounter, because obviously no case is textbook. Um, Everybody is slightly different uh, yes. uh, with, with a little bit of something on and everything it's, it's by no means meant to be an exhaustive uh, writing on the disease
1: yeah I'm, I might have misunderstood I thought it comes with a workbook and I you know I'm excited to read your books so I'll go to Amazon and uh, um, yes I've been reading uh, books and I, I, I never ever know myself do not finish a book before I start another one there was a time when I had five books going, and just pick up this and this and this. However, um, this is this is exactly what I need, and uh, you know, people with early onset dementia. Unfortunately, we have more and more of those. I am sure they're going to love this book, and uh, caregivers, caregivers at nursing facilities, caregivers at home, uh, like Laurie for 30 years. I don't know what she read. Maybe with a lot of scientific terms like. People like uh, with dementia cannot understand. There's lots and lots of people. Um, I'm with uh, several um, support groups online. I'm an admin for a couple of them. And uh, questions, you know, amongst themselves, of course, and uh, do you know of a good book? Because this book's so hard, I don't get it. You know, this is what they need for caregivers and for people with early onset or middle stages dementia where they can still read. And, and I congratulate you for for writing this book. At first, I thought there was a workbook. I went, and, oh, I need a workbook. Yes, yes, yes. I can read this book and also learn something by, you know, filling out a workbook. Okay. Um, good. It's good that you have this book, and I can't wait to get it.
2: Well, I, I hope you
1: enjoy it. I know I will from just what you've described it.
0: Yeah, the title is um A to is the Alzheimer's Caregivers Handbook. So that might have been the confusion on the on the workbook. Uh, but Kate, I will I will send you the book that um Mark sent me. So I I just have to confirm oh. your, your um address and stuff, but we'll do that offline okay. and then I'll I'll send that to you so you can so you can see that. Um Oh that would be I, great. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah, yeah, I got to pass them along. I get a lot of books, and so I'm always bringing them to my support groups and passing them out when I do speaking and things like that because oh, they don't do any, I, yeah, they don't do any do good in my closet, thing. you know, so I, I love uh, yeah. love being able to, to get them out to people who can use them. Um, I, mean, I, Mark, I,
2: I do the same with my book. I, I actually give away far more copies than I sell, and every time I give one <laughs> away, I say, when you're through reading it and you're done with it, please pass it on when you encounter someone who's starting their caregiver journey, please pass it on. And hopefully it'll help another person.
0: Exactly. That is so important. And I think even, you know, if people are listening today, you know, if you pick up a nugget, pass it along, you know, don't keep it to yourself. We can't keep all of these um, tips and tools uh, a secret. You know, we, we need to get the word out uh, for everyone to be able to, to access information. And uh, I think sometimes we forget, you know, to do that in, in the importance of that. Um, Mark, what message would you send to those who are currently caregivers, uh, you know, for a loved one? Is there, is there something you'd like to, to say to them that, they, that you feel they might need to know? Well,
2: I think probably two things, uh, Laurie. First of which, uh, one of the topics in my book, which is a very short topic, uh, but it's called memory versus enjoyment, and it's something that uh, you talked about a little bit. You mentioned early on that um, sometimes caregivers will just you know, drop somebody off at a, at a facility or a community and think, well, they're not going to remember me or know me, so why go? Um They're not going to remember what I do. They're not going to remember where I've taken them, Uh, so why do it? And I learned very early on through my mother's uh, trek with this disease that whether or not they remember is totally different from whether or not they enjoy it. Uh, And so, you know, she didn't remember some of the things I did for her. Uh, Sometimes uh, she would give other people credit for the things I did, Uh, and Oftentimes, you know, early on when she was highly functional, I would take her out once or twice a week. We would go to lunch. We would, you know, go feed the ducks. We would go to the zoo. We would do whatever we could while I was still able to do those things with her. And I knew when I brought her back, you know, an hour later she might not remember it. But the important thing was she enjoyed it in the moment. And the other thing I learned was the memory goes quickly, but the emotions don't. So not only did she enjoy it in the moment, but the added benefit was everything you do with your loved one, if they've had a good time, if they're enjoying it, if they felt safe and and content and and loved and happy, once you leave them, those feelings are going to remain the rest of the day. They may not connect the memory with those feelings, but they're going to be left in that uplifted mood, the same as we all are when we we do things like that. Uh, And so the, the first thing I would leave caregivers with is, uh, not to focus on what are they going to remember, but how much are they going to enjoy this uh, in the moment, and then those feelings would last. And I think the last thing I would leave caregivers with is not to be so hard on themselves. Most caregivers really go the extra mile uh, from, you know, my own experience with myself and with caregivers I deal with in, in support groups. Uh, they go the extra mile. They're out straight. They're doing the best they can to make their loved one's life as, as good as possible, uh, And yet these same caregivers who who go the extra mile uh, are almost always beating themselves up over something. Uh, And oftentimes it's simply nothing that's their fault. Uh, You know, that that one situation that happened and, and they think, well, that didn't end up exactly the way I wanted it to. What was the perfect thing I could have done or how could I have done that differently? Well, sadly, the truth of the matter is, with most things in life and certainly dementia prime in that, Uh, there's not always a perfect solution. I mean, sometimes there is not a perfect solution to a a situation to to calm somebody down or to bring peace to a situation. Sometimes you just have to ride that out. Uh, And so I guess my, my final thought to caregivers would be, you know, you're doing your best. Accept that you're doing your best and that your best is the best you can do. So let the guilt go and stop beating yourself up. And that doesn't mean that, in hindsight, I don't have things I look back at and wish could have been done differently. You know, would I have loved to have uh, been in a financial situation where I could have bought a different house with all the accommodations she, mom needed that I could have afforded 24-by-7 care when she was at that stage and, and kept her at home? Absolutely, I wish that then, and, and I wish that now. Um but there's no guilt about it because I know within my means, I did the best I could for her. So I, I can honestly say I don't have any guilt, in it, and I think that's what I would want to impress on other caregivers, that if you're doing your best, accept that that's the best you can do and and, and don't beat yourself up over things that
0: you can't do. Good advice, good advice. Um,
1: Kate,
0: I want, I want to get your thoughts on that remembering versus enjoying, because I thought that was just a really powerful statement um, in in terms of, of caring for someone with dementia. What are your thoughts on that? Those are two different things, remembering and enjoying a moment.
1: Was that for Mark or for me? Oh, oh, for you Kate, I'm sorry. Oh, for me, (laughs) I was just um, thinking um, while what a good title that is. And uh, I would like to get this book and then also pass it on. Um, also pass it on to people who care for me and who care for themselves. You know, um, oh, this is this one. Yes. There's a, a professor that I took care of. And uh, he always seems that to ask everybody to ask my permission if they were going to take him out somewhere. I said, Well, <laughs> um, sure. I'm not the only, you know, person that takes care of me, but if that makes him happy. And uh this is it, you'll come back and uh I'll talk to him and how was your dinner? And then he said, Oh, it was great and this got a big smile on his face. That means he had a good time. He was enjoying himself. And uh, I asked him, So what did what did you eat, Mr Sim? And then he said, soup and then I said okay do you remember what soup it was he says no so you know these are the kind of things that I encounter many many very often so it seems like uh, he had uh, short-term memory loss long-term memory loss but when he came back he was joyous (laughs) and uh, he couldn't wait to tell me things you know and, and some of the things don't come out right and that's okay so I knew that he enjoyed himself. Do you, you know what I mean? He enjoyed himself. It followed him right to the end of the day, and he, were, he, had, he was in a good mood. Yep. But, yep. Yeah, but he forgot what he was eating. So that doesn't matter. He enjoyed himself. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I just think that that was such a, such a powerful statement, Mark, that you – that you made when you, when Mark, when you talk to people about that, um, I'm just interested in, does their jaw kind of drop and go, Oh my gosh, I never looked at it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
2: it is a light bulb moment for a lot of people because it is easy to, you know, fall into that trap of, well, they are not going to remember. So, so why bother? Um, particularly as things get along, as I said, when mom was highly functional, I would just, you know, pick her up and and we'd go out to lunch, we'd do things. Uh, But then as the the disease progressed, it it became more and more difficult to where I needed a walker and then I needed a wheelchair, and then I needed to hire a private CNA when she um, needed help in the restrooms. Uh, And then, of course, at the very end, when she was wheelchair-bound, then I had to hire um, a a lift van in order to to get her to to my aunt once a month. Uh, Then we were down to once a month uh, for lunch, but just to get her out for that change of scenery. And the logistics you know, were just draining. Uh, and there were times where I thought, you know, Jesus, is this worth it? And she doesn't remember an hour later going through all this. But it was like, no, because I knew she enjoyed it so much in the moment. It was absolutely worth it. So if you haven't lived it, um, it can be a light bulb moment if you haven't discovered that on yourself yet.
0: Yes. Well, and even, you know, you mentioned about, you know, getting a car for transportation. I remember how... Frustrating that was because they're like, well, when do you want us back? And I'm like, I have no idea how long she's going to last. If it's going to be a half an hour or a full day, you know? And so trying to get people to understand that was, was interesting as well. Or cause you hate to, you know, if they're really engaged, they hate to cut it off. Um, yeah. When people yeah. are really enjoying themselves. And so it, yeah, it, there's a lot of, a lot of different learning curves in this, in this whole process. That's, that's for sure. Um, well, I I so appreciate you spending time with us uh, today on this. I can't believe our hour is just speeding away. We've got about seven minutes left. Um, Kate, anything that you want to add on uh, that you think listeners should know when it comes to to giving care?
1: Um, this Mark, thank you for writing the books, and uh, definitely. Um, The one that you mentioned, um, um, something on engagement, Um, what is the title? Memory versus engagement. I'm going to learn so much from it, and I've already learned. I I keep quiet quite a bit this time because I'm listening and I'm learning. These are things that I don't think about, you know. And now my caregiver, I want to read this book. So I know um what they're doing. They're going over and above, you know, what they're supposed to do. So um thank you, Mark, for, for being here for us. And uh, I will pass this on.
2: Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for joining the call. It was a pleasure meeting you.
1: You too.
0: Yeah. Now, we need to make sure that listeners know how to uh, get a hold of you, Mark. So um I just want to go over that because that would... That would be way too sad if we didn't uh, if we didn't get that information out to people. Yeah. So your website is bookmark dot marks and that's plural universe.com, dot dot com. And then your email is bookmark at marksuniverse dot com. Um you are also on LinkedIn so if you look up Mark A Nutting uh you will find him there um the book is also listed on Amazon so if you if you put Mark Nutting in it will it will come up um any other contact information you want people to have Mark uh
2: no I think that would be it because uh even if they just get to my primary website uh again which is bookmark at marksuniverse.com uh, on there is a link from my email, which is the bookmark at MarksUniverse.com. There's a LinkedIn link. Uh, there's you know the the bio and author page. There's pictures of my mom and me during the journey. Uh, so pretty much anything they they might want to to ask or get in touch with me with uh, would be from that book's home page there.
0: Okay. I also um, have
2: a link that I just added recently for resources and events when I when I am doing. Uh, information session or those types of things I I now post them on there as well.
0: Wonderful that's fantastic and I want to thank you for being part of Dementia Map too. People can find you. Thank you you so uh, much for
2: I was happy that that you provided that uh, definitely a needed service.
0: Yeah Well, we want is is many services products and tools and information listed on there for people because we all learn different we need things uh, different things at different times and Every family, you know, has their own priorities and family dynamics, so um, there can never be too much information out there. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And then if people want to reach out to Kate, um, Kate is on Facebook, and um, you, you can connect with her there at, is it Kate Lau Booth that you're under, no. Kate,
1: on Facebook? No, it's Kate with a C, Kate mm-hmm. underscore, a underscore Lau L A U. That's my last name at Yahoo dot com.
0: Okay, and then on, on Facebook it's Kate C A T E and then mm-hmm. Lau L A U Dash Boot. And yes. for my yep. And for myself, you can always uh, reach out to me at radio at AlzheimerSpeaks dot com. Uh, maybe you can be our next guest. We're always looking for. For people to interview and um, our main website is alzheimerspeaks.com and hopefully in a couple of months we'll be launching our new site which I can't wait to do so um, look for that it's going to be much easier to maneuver through in the meantime have a wonderful wonderful um, week and um, let's see Thursday. We are going to be talking about utilizing music as self-care, so that's going to be a really good show as well. And that will also be a live show, so if you want to call in for that, you you surely can. I know a lot of people with podcasts listen afterwards, but when we're live, you we are always welcome. Um, again, we are here to raise all voices and... Um, And just make the world a better place when it comes to dementia. So thanks so much, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Mark and Kate, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Bye now. Thank Thank you, Larry, so much for
2: having me. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?